0: On your touch. Father, We are grateful and we are thankful for this afternoon. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you have given to us to hear your word. We pray, Lord, that you give us of your Holy Spirit to teach us. Let your spirit minister to us. For as you speak, Lord, the spirit will enter into us. As you speak, life comes to us. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Clap your hands together for the Lord and you may be seated. Wonderful. Where well, we want to continue our message that we started last week. We started a message on loyalty last week and we want to continue and I'm sharing from one of our prophets book Loyalty and Disloyalty which every member of the church should have and I will also encourage every single person every Christian if you are a husband, if you are a wife if you are an employer you are an employee if you are a beloved if you are Single, you are looking for a beloved. You want to own one of these books. Amen. Amen. You know, um, before I continue, I just want to share a testimony that um, we just had a pastor's meeting and one of the pastors gave a testimony concerning this book. She said, she's a doctor and she is in a, Clinic and in the office, there are people who are really some way. You know, when we say you are some way, it's not mean you have a direction, like you have some way, like you have a direction, but it means your behavior. We can when we can't describe something in our church, we say it's some way. Do you understand? It is some way. It's like we don't have, we don't want to say the exact thing what you are really. But she said that um, she gave, there's one particular person who seemed to be sort of committed. And so she gave one of these books to her to read it. And she took it home. I think she's um, one of those front desk ladies. And she took it home. And when she started reading it in the night, she could not put the book down. She stayed up all night to finish the book. Have you read this book as a member of this church? You haven't. But she stayed up all night. She could not put this book down. And she read the book. And when she finished, she gave the book to her husband to read it. And when the husband took the book, he could not lay it down. And these are not Christians. These are not Christians. And she could he he could also not lay the book down and he finished reading the book. And when the husband finished, he took the book, she took the book from him. And she gave the book to her sister. Was it her sister? She gave the book to her sister. And she also read it. And for some reason, she would not see the lady Whenever she sees the lady, it looks like the lady will hide from her. And she finally caught up with the lady and says, what happened to you? How? He says, the book that you gave to me. I'm afraid you are going to take the book from me, so I don't want to see you. Because I have a project for the book. She said that the book, when she read the book, she could see all the reasons for the problems that they are having at a job. And then she could see all the reasons for the problems that she's having in her marriage. And then she could see all the problems that their family, in the, within their family, the reason why one is not talking to the other, the reason why one does not go to one's wedding, one's party, one does not, she could see all of those problems and as the book was going around, it has solved all of their problems. And so she didn't want to give the book back. But she says, "But now that I've seen you, I think you reach more people. Since you are a doctor and a pastor, you reach more people, so I think you need a book, because many people need to hear what is in this book." And so I will give. And then she said, "No, keep it. Because in our church we have a lot. <laughs> we have many of these books. Every church member has one, and oh. And so, keep it. Do you understand? But such is this book. It's a very wonderful book. And it's a... a, What do they describe it when many people are... It's a bestseller. I was testing if you know the word I'm looking for. But it's a bestseller. Amen. It's a bestseller. And so... Let it not become a bestseller to outsiders except the children. Amen. And so that is where we are taking our message from. And there's a chapter in it that is called Stages of Disloyalty. Stages of Disloyalty. And last week, we began sharing. And that is what I, we are calling here, the things that cause the work of God to cease. The things that cause the work of God to cease. The things that stop the work of God. The things that stop the work of God from going forward. Hallelujah. And last week, we shared so many things. We introduced this scripture. And we said that this is the plan of the enemy. And before we continue, I want us to read a scripture in Nehemiah again. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. And I love the song that the choir ministered. Nehemiah chapter 4. Put your hands together for the choir. Wonderful. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 6. It says, so built we. Now the background behind this story is, this is the captives that were in Babylon where now God has given a call to Nehemiah and it has touched his heart that they should rise up to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem which was in ruins. Jerusalem was in ruins. The church of God was broken. The walls were all broken and God touched Nehemiah's heart to rise up to gather people to build the church. Amen. And so the Bible says, so built we the wall." And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. That means the walls came to a half of its, you know, why don't you give us the message so we will move, give us, so we can, um... it says, we kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. May the Lord give you a heart for his work. He says, now when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem were going so well that the bricks in the wall were being fixed, they were absolutely furious. They were furious. They were angry. When they heard that the walls were putting back together, You know, many people are not happy when the church of God is moving forward. That is why you see a pastor is trying to demonstrate to the church how joy and how happy a church can be. People will take it out of context and post it and say all kinds of things. But as a pastor, we have a right to dance in front of our congregation. Don't let me give you some moves because you cannot handle it. You cannot handle it. You see, I I have just relaxed these days. You know? (laughs) I have just relaxed these days. Because if I begin to give you some moves, you cannot handle it. Amen. So you see, they were furious. They put their heads together. Tobias, Sambalad, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashodites. They put their heads together and decided to fight against Jerusalem and create as much trouble as they could. I'm talking about the church of God. When we are building the city of God, what the enemy does. We counted with prayer. To our God and set a round-the-clock guard against them. We set a round-the-clock guard against them. That is why we have to pray for the church. Round-the-clock. Someone from the church ought to be praying all the time. Against the forces of darkness. But soon, word was going around in Judah. The builders are popped. The rubbish piles up. We are in over our heads. We can't build this wall. Because this is what the enemy wanted to go around. And all this time... Are you with me? And all this time... Our enemies... The enemies of the church... The enemy that wants the church to break down... The enemy that wants to stop the work of God from going on... The Bible says... And all this time... Our enemies were saying... They won't know what hate them. He says, look, let them keep going. Let them build. Let them invite people. Let them preach. Let them sing. Let them be happy in the church. But they won't know what hit them. Before they know it, we will be at their throats. Before they know it, we are sitting next to them. We are sitting within them. We are at their throat next to each other. One member, one enemy, one member, one enemy, one member. Before they know it. That means before they know it, we have joined the church. Before they know it, we have become members. He said before they know it, we will be at their throats. Killing them right and left. That will put a stop to the work. Hallelujah. So this is how the enemy intends to. Destroy the church. This is how the enemy intends to break down the church. This is how the enemy plans to put a stop to the work of God. That the enemy's devices, the enemy's way of destroying the church, we will know it. He says they will not know it. We will not come obviously as enemies who are ready to destroy the church. We will not come as people who have planned. On our faces that they can read that we are here to destroy the church. Before they know it, we will be in their midst. We will be at their throat. Amen. Do you have the NLT in verse 11? The NLT in verse 11. What does it say? You don't have it. I have one. It says, meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what is happening... We will swoop down on them and kill them. We will swoop down on them. Is there another verse? NIV verse 11. It says, also our enemy said, before they know it or see us. You see, when we are coming, we look like we are undercover. Yeah. Undercover, we are members. Do you understand? You see, when the undercover cops want to catch the criminals, they behave like they are criminals. They behave like they are also drug dealers. You see, they disguise themselves. So the enemy's plan is to disguise himself as a member. And before we know it, they are in our choir. They are in a projector team. They are ashes. Before they know it, they are playing instruments. Before they know it, they are made elders and shepherds. Before they know it, they have become assistant pastors. Before they know it, they have become pastors in the church. He said, they will know what hits them. They will not know what hit them. This is our plan. And so the enemy's plan is a long-term plan. It's a long-term plan. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And so if you are in the church, what I want to tell you is that the enemy has targeted you. Because, you see, why are we going to get the people to be in our midst? It is you who are within us. Uh, is anyone here who is an enemy? Lift up your hand. Do you see? There is no obvious enemy. But the enemy's plan to destroy the church is to turn us into working for them. Do you understand? In the book, it is called the fifth column. The fifth column. And I want to show you what is the fifth column. Do you want to know what is the fifth column? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. The faith column. He says one friend he says there was a time where. an army general who surrounded a large city with the aim of conquering it. He was planning to conquer this large city. This city was heavily fortified with a high and imposing wall and gate. The army general surrounded the city in readiness to attack. One friend of the general came along and asked him, sir, how do you think you are going to overcome the defenses of this city? No one in recent history has been able to conquer this great city. The army general smiled and said, It is my fifth column. I am depending on them to do the trick. The general's friend was very interested and asked, What is this fifth column? I thought you only had four columns. The army general replied, I do have a faith column. He says, Oh, the friend said, I see. It is that special commando unit. Or are they, is it that special commando unit? Or are they some airborne paratroopers? The general laughed. No, it's none of these. My faith column, are you listening? He says, My faith column consists of my spies my agents, my friends and supporters who are already within the city. They are inside the city. They are like citizens but they are my friends. They are like citizens but they are my spies. They are my insiders. He says, you wait. They will open those big gates from within and my armies will rush in. Hallelujah. This is the only way the enemy can destroy a successful, powerful ministry that is doing all the right things this is the only way the enemy can destroy a church that is doing the right things a church that is preaching about salvation a church that has a goal to win souls a church that has a goal to fill the house of god a church that preaches that marriages work well a church that the pastor does not sleep with the women in the church a church where we do not steal the money this is the only way that the enemy can destroy the church this is the only way this is the only way. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? This is the only way. If the enemy wants to destroy it, you see, the enemy can destroy churches when he turns the pastor's heart to like women, and then the pastor is just left and right, killing them. Do you understand? Or the church, the enemy can destroy the church where the church money becomes questionable and all kinds of things. Do you understand? And that can break the church. But when the church is doing all the right things, this is the way wow. the enemy can destroy the church. When the church has fortified itself and has built a strong wall around it and is teaching the people and is ministering to the people, this is the only way the enemy can destroy the church. And so do you know, do you understand now why we need to, identify the things that the enemy uses to destroy the church. Amen. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. And so the only thing that rises up to stand against building the church of God is the gates of hell. Amen. It is the gates of hell. Hallelujah. And we do not know what this gate of hell is. Do you understand? We do not know, but we understand that anything that stands against the work of God becomes a gate of hell. Amen. So, anything, if there's anything, any behavior of yours, any, any worse, anything that you do, that makes the work stop. It causes the work to stop, that becomes the gate of hell. Amen. So there's an interesting scripture in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Look at that. Jesus says, he that is not with me is against me. Do you understand? He that is not with me is against me. So if you are not with us, you are not with Christ in building the church, it means you are against him. That is Jesus' definition. He said, he that is not with me is against me. And what is against building the church of God? The gate of hell. And then he says, And he that gathereth not with me, scattereth abroad. Do you understand what that means? It means that even if you decide that you will not do anything, you will not help with the gathering. As Christ is gathering his children, as Christ is building his church, if you say, I'm not doing anything, you are a scatterer. That is what I didn't write the Bible. Please, don't look at me like that. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And so, it is important that we understand what are these things that the enemy uses to destroy the church. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we are talking about five things that cause the work of God to cease. Five things that cause the work of God to cease. Amen. And this we're taking from the chapter of the stages of disloyalty. Amen. Now these things are clearly from the enemy. Last week I was sharing with you that these things, we see that they are clearly from the enemy. They are spiritual. And we see that whenever we fight one and it's gone, it jumps onto another. And that is why we need to learn about these things all the time. Hallelujah. That is why we need to learn about them. And so the first one that I want us to look at, the first one is the spirit of independence or an independent spirit. An independent spirit. Amen. An independent spirit. Hallelujah. An independent spirit or a spirit of independence. You see, it says the independent stage it's so subtle, it is very subtle, that most people do not recognize it for what it actually is. You will never recognize an independent stage or an independent spirit when it's coming upon you because that is not the intention for you to know. It says, we will not know it. They will not know it. Before they know it, we are, have arrived. We have swooped on them. Amen. So this is the kind of spirit that creeps on people just as the enemy intends it to be. Hallelujah. He says we will not know it. We will not know when that spirit comes upon us. Hallelujah. So what is an independent spirit? So a person who has an independent spirit joins the church in his or her own terms. A person with an independent spirit joins the church with his own terms. The define their own rules. Do you see? Such a person defines his or her own rules. The rules of the church or the general rules do not govern such a person. A person with an independent spirit does not depend on the the rules of the church. So someone with an independent spirit, for instance, is the kind of person where we would declare fasting, for instance. The pastor says, we are all fasting on Wednesday. We are all fasting on Wednesday. So the person with an independent spirit will say, I have made up my mind already to fast on Friday. And that is what I'm doing. That is a person with an independent spirit. You see? And it sounds like it is okay. You are fasting. We are one day fast. I'm also fasting. Isn't that so? When we fast Wednesday or Friday is it not a fast. Every fast is a fast. Fast on Friday isn't different from fast on Wednesday, but when we make a rule that we are all fasting on Wednesday, the person with an independent spirit chooses to fast on Friday. Do you understand? The pastor may call for several meetings. The pastor says, we are having several meetings, but the person with an independent spirit will choose which meetings are important. And says, I will come to this meeting and I will come for that meeting, but I will not come because these are not important. That is a person with an independent spirit. Amen. Now, when you become relevant, when you become relevant in the church, you become a target for such a spirit. When you become someone who is important in the church, you will become a target for such a spirit. Amen. And there are biblical examples that I want us to look at. Do you want to see some examples of people with independent spirit in the Bible? We want to look at one person in particular. Turn with me to 2nd Samuel chapter 3 and verse 20. We can read the NIV for the sake of time. 2nd Samuel chapter 3 and verse 20. 2nd Samuel chapter 3 and verse 20. Amen. You see, we do not We do not condemn independence. Do you understand? It says here that, it says, there is nothing wrong with being independent. I believe in independence, and we thank God for independent people. However, if you are a part of a denomination, if you are a part of a group, or you are a part of a company, you are not independent. Amen. You see, you are not independent if you are a part of a group or you are a part of a company. Do you understand? Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You know, a great man of God was sharing with us yesterday. Let's look at that first and then we'll come to this. In uh, Exodus chapter 31. And Exodus chapter 31 verse 1. Exodus chapter 31. Look at this. You see, I'm showing you that We cannot be independent when we are building the house of God. We cannot have an independent spirit when we are building the house of God. Look at this scripture. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaleel. I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Do you see? To devise cunning works. To work in gold and in silver and in brass. God is the one who has given him this gift. God said to Moses, God has given an assignment to Moses. Moses is the pastor. And God has called Moses to build him an ark. And he says, for this work, for this assignment that I have given you, I will not leave you alone. You cannot do this work all by yourself. So I will give you helpers. I will call, I have called a man by name Bezalel. And I, God, have anointed him. I have given him, I have put my spirit in him. Do you realize that that spirit that is in Bezalel is a result of God's call upon Moses? If God has not asked Moses to build the ark, Bezalel will not be anointed with these skills. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you see, Bezalel now might think that, look, I am a man of anointing. I am with the spirit of God. I I can devise cunning works. I can work in gold. I can work in silver. And I can work in brass. I am no small person that you have gotten. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm telling you? Do you understand that my my, my presence here, you know, as I have chosen to be in this church, you should be very happy. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you see, he has become relevant. He's a special person in the church. So now listen. It says, the next verse, the cutting in of stones. Look at this man, one person. The cutting in of stones to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given him, also, I have given him with him, I have given with him a holier. You see what I'm talking about? So, you see, this person that God has chosen, now God is also adding people to him. God is giving him also associates. People are following him. You see? So, you will see that now when Bezaleel comes, there are people who are holding his bag. You know, people are holding his tools. Do you see? I mean, he's the first person that God placed the spirit. And with him now, is Aholiab and others. They are all coming. You know, other talented people, but he's the leader. But all of this because of Moses. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? All of this because of Moses. So now, if Aholiab I mean, if um, Bezalel now feels that I have following. There are people who are following me. He may think that now he is even more than the pastor. When I speak, the people are just calm. When I say put the gold here, they are putting. Even when the pastor says they should put the gold here, the people. But God has placed special craftiness, special wisdom in Bezalel to do this work. You see? So behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. In the hearts of all that are wise, they have said, wise-hearted, wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded you, Moses, that they will make all that I have commanded thee. And what is that? The tabernacle of the congregation. God has given him the tabernacle of the congregation and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is thereupon and all the furniture of the tabernacles. To build all of these, I have given you these people. And so, Aholiab and Bezaleel, who are now become relevant, they become a target for the enemy to make them feel they are important. So Ahaliah will rise up one day, or Bezalel will rise up one day, and he will say, I will leave and you will see. You don't know who you have. I will go and you will see. You will see who will lead you. You will see who will assist you. You will see who will sing for you. I will go and you will see. But you see, he does not understand that there's skill, the wisdom, the ability to work with gold and silver and brass is because of Moses. And so he thinks he's living, and he's living with a skill. That is why everyone that breaks off from a ministry unrightfully, if you break off from a ministry, you don't amount to anything. You become an empty gong. You will, not have any, you will go empty. But whilst you are under that ministry, you feel anointed. Because God has anointed you to help the one that he has called. Amen. And so as I am here, I am anointed for you because of the father that God has called who I am also helping to pastor the church. Are you understanding what I'm saying with you? Yes. So God is saying, I have called this man, I have called Reverend Bright, and I've anointed him so that in the bronze branch he will minister to the people. You see? And so I will be wise. To understand that my anointing is because I am here. And I am not now saying, let me, okay, you people stay here. Let me take half of the church with my anointing and go, I'll go empty-headed. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So if God anoints you for a ministry, it is because of the ministry that you are scaled like that. It is because of the ministry. Amen. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? And you live and see. You, you live small and see. And put your eyes on anyone who, has, who felt that he's so important in a church and has left. And see if the person has amounted to anything. You will not. You will not. Amen. And so I'm saying that people who are established in the church, they are the ones that the enemy targets. And so let's look back. Let's go back to the story about Joab. Now we want to read about this person. Now Joab was a very powerful, powerful army commander in the army of David. Okay, I'm just giving you a background so when we read, and there is a man also called Abner who was also a very powerful army general in the army of Saul. And this was when David and Saul were at war. David, Saul was chasing David, and now David is a king, and all these enemies they are still around. Do you see? They are still around. And Abner, verse 20, this is Second Samuel chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, when Abner, who had 20 men with him, came to David at Hebron, David prepared a feast for him and his men. So now, this Abner, who is from the camp of Saul, now Saul is dead. So the army of Saul has gone down. But David, Abner called David, and Abner wanted to make peace. With David, Saul's son, one of Saul's sons had accused Abner of sleeping with Saul's, one of Saul's girlfriends. And Abner was not happy with that accusation. And so he had decided now to make peace with David and give the rest of the kingdom to David. The rest of the kingdom that was under Saul. And so he decided to send message to David that I want to make peace. And David invited Abner. So Abner came with 20 men and David gave them a feast. David made peace with them. And the Bible said, Then Abner said to David, Let me go at once and assemble all Israel for my lord the king, so that they may make a compact with you, and that you may rule over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Are you with me? He went in peace. Just then, David's men and Joab. You remember I told you about Joab. Joab is an army general in David's army. Very powerful man. Very strong guy. Someone who has led David's army to conquer battles. Someone who was like David's right hand man. He was like a prime minister in the kingdom of David. So he was at war. And they came back. He says, David's men and Joab returned from a raid and brought with them a great deal of plunder. But Abner was no longer with David in Hebron because David had sent him away and he had gone in peace. You know, the Bible does not put anything, anywhere for nothing favorously. The Bible, every word that the Bible places in, God places in the Bible is of relevance. And you realize that we read before that and David sent him and he was gone in peace. And then he's saying here again that and David has sent him away and he has gone in peace. This is what the king's heart wanted. This is what the king wanted to do. Are you with me? Listen. Shake your neighbor and say. Say we are reading the word of God. I'm not reading some. um, I'm reading the Bible to you. If you are sleepy, you have to stand behind because this is very important. You need to hear. Amen. He says, so Joab went to the king. Now, Joab went to the king. When he heard that David had sent him away, had sent Abner away, the Bible says, Joab went to the king and said, what have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Why did you let him go? This is David's army general. David is the king. He said, why did you let him go? Now he's gone. Look what you have done. Now he's gone. You see, there are some people, when they feel important in a church, they talk to the pastor a certain way. Anyhow. Do you understand? May you never be such a person. May you never say to your pastor, look what you have done. See, look what you have done. I will slap you, beer. Say, don't joke with this pastor. You see, you never know Jesus until he becomes a Chinese Jesus. That is when you know his real moves. Then he said, You know, Abner, son of Neh, he came to deceive you and observe your movements. And find out everything you are doing. That is why he came. Joab then left David and sent messengers. So he finished talking to David. And then he left. So he left David and sent messengers after Abner. And they brought him back from the well of Sirah. Abner had taken off. He was going. He had set off on the road going with his army. David sent men to go and get Abner. And bring them back. And they brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. David did not know it. He was acting independence of the, of the king. Independ- completely independent. Now when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the gateway as though to speak with him privately. And there... To avenge the blood of his brother Asahel. Joab stabbed him in the stomach and he died. Joab stabbed him in the stomach. This is the person that the king has set free. The king says, okay, let's make peace. Let us be one. Let us live in peace. Joab stabbed him in the stomach and he died. Now, when independent people with independent spirit are acting, they have personal reasons. They have personal reasons. When someone who is an independent spirit, we are singing in a choir, and the choir director says, we are all wearing black and blue. Isn't that so today? We are all wearing black and blue. A person with an independent spirit, he will say, I'm not wearing blue. I will wear green. I will wear, wear, I wear yellow. Because, you see, sometimes we think that it is just a spirit. But you see, the person also has a personal reason. Perhaps you went to Easy Pickings and you only could find a yellow blouse. Do you know what is Easy Pickings? You don't know what is Easy Pickings? The only thing you could find was a yellow blouse. And so you are wearing your yellow blouse, you tried it at home and then you it and it looks so nice on you and you have targeted even some guys in the church already that today they are going to see you in your yellow dress. And then the choir leader sends a message at 10pm and he says we are wearing blue. I am not wearing blue. I am not wearing blue. You see and sometimes you see the message comes. You see nobody is there. Nobody is there. And the message comes. King King. And then you check. Oh we are all wearing blue. And psh, <laughs> like that, you see, and you show up here in your yellow blouse. In your yellow blouse, that's the person with an independent spirit, and then you come and give us some frivolous reasons. So he says, Joab stabbed him in the stomach, and he died. And the next verse, which no one knew but the Bible, but the word of God. God is the only one who knows what is in your heart. Which no one knew why. And the a reason was that Abner came to spy. The reason was that Abner is not a good person. The reason is that Abner is dangerous to the kingdom. But God is showing us the very reason why Joab did that. He says, later, when David heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord. Concerning the blood of Abner, son of Neh, may his blood fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. You see, the spirit of independence, when you have that spirit, you don't know. The enemy does not come to you and leave you and you are blessed. The Bible says he will never come, he will never come but to steal, to kill and to destroy. That is the only reason why the enemy comes. So if you allow yourself to be sued upon by the spirit of independence, this is the curse that comes upon you. He says, may his blood fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his house, all his father's house. May Joab's house never be without someone who has a running sore. Do you know what is a running saw? A running sore is an abscess that is oozing. Always. Never heals. Never heals. Sometimes we have People in our families who have ulcers that are never healed. Sometimes from cases like this. You see, the independent spirit, it is in every place where there are two or three people who have gathered who are united. It is in our marriages. It is in our companies. It is in our workplaces. It is everywhere. It's in our friendship. Do you see? It says... He says, may his blood be upon Joab and upon all his father's house. May Joab's house never be without someone who has a running sore, or leprosy or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. So the hunger that is in your, fa- your house and everyone is always hungry, perhaps that's the case. Amen. Now, lack food doesn't mean that there's no food a place, but whenever you eat, you are not full. There's not ever enough food. Now, look at this. Now, there is the reason. Do you see it's in parentheses? And I'm telling you why Joab did what he did. This is the reason. He says, Joab and his brother Abishai murdered Abner. Because he had killed Abner, had killed their brother Asahel in the battle at Gibeon. That was his reason. Not that Abner was a spy, but this was his real reason. But he acted independently from the king. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Let's look at another behavior of Joab in 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. It says, David mastered the men who were with him and appointed over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. Go down to verse 5. Verse 5. You see, these are people, now this is the story where David's son, Absalom, has now also risen up and has fought David. And has taken control of the kingdom. And David was in exile. And now, David was gathering his, his army to fight the army of Absalom, his own son. And so, listen to this. Here is a king who is going to war with his own son. So, the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Attiah. These are the army commanders. He commanded them and said, Be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. Be gentle with my son. He, I know he has risen up to fight me. But in the war, be gentle with him. That means don't kill him. For my sake. He is on the other side, but be gentle with him. And all the troops did what? Had all the troops. Because David announced it when he had divided the army and the commanders uh, in front of them. And he gave this instruction and all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. The army marched into the field to fight Israel, and the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. There, the army of Israel was defeated by David's army, David's men, and the casualties that day were great, 20,000 men. The battle spread out over the whole countryside, and the forest claimed more lives that day than the sword. Now, Absalom, David's son, happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule. And as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak. So he was like he was sitting on a mule. He was riding like a horse. And as the horse went under the thick branches of an oak tree... Absalom's head got caught in the tree. He was left hanging in midair while the mule he was riding kept on going. So as he was going, his head got caught in the branches and the mule took off. So he was hanging. Do you see? When one of the men saw this, he told Joab, I just saw Absalom hanging in an oak tree. Now here's our independent Joab. Joab said to the man Joab said to the man who had told him this What? You saw him? Why didn't you strike him to the ground right there? Then I would have had to give you ten shekels of silver and a warrior's belt like a hero. I would have promoted you. But the man replied even if a thousand shekels were weighed out onto, into my hands, I would not lift my hand against the king's son. Wow. Even if you were to give me hundred shekels, counted them in my hand, I would not have lifted my hand against the king's son. Why? He says, in our hearing. Do you see why I say God does not write anything in the scriptures? frivolously? He says, in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Atai protect the young man for my sake. Protect the young man Absalom for my sake. And if I had put my life in jeopardy and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have kept your distance from me. That means, if I have put my life, the servant is if I had chosen to kill Absalom, you, the army commander, you would have stayed away while the king would have dealt with me. So obviously, this, um, this soldier, he was loyal to David. He was loyal to David, and nothing, no amount of money would have changed his loyalty. No conversation could have changed his loyalty. Though he reports directly to Joab as an army commander, his loyalty was the person of higher authority. Are you understand what I'm sharing with you? That means if one day I stand here and I say, I am changing this church, I am taking this, your loyalty must be to the bishop. And no one should follow me. I am announcing it in advance. May God really, 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 may it never happen to us. Joab said, I'm not going to wait like this for you. Clear off. So he took three javelins in his hand and plunged them into Absalom's heart while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree. And ten of Joab's armor-bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him and killed him. Then Joab sounded a trumpet and the troops stopped pursuing Israel for Joab halted them. They took Absalom threw him into a big, big, a big pit in the forest and piled up large heaps of rocks over him. Meanwhile, all the Israelites fled to their homes. Is this the, the king's commandment? To deal gently with my son. So a person with an independent spirit, he is a very strong person in the church. He is someone who is committed. He is someone who has been around for a long time. He is someone who is never going to leave the church. This Joab, he was never planning to leave David's camp. He was never planning to abort David. He was never going to be a person who says, I'm not going to walk. But every time he was acting independently. He has his own reasons. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? This is a spirit of independence. And this is how the enemy creeps upon people. And when you are an established member of the church, when you become relevant like Joab, when you become an army commander, someone who has a ministry, you command people and they do what you want. You tell the people and you do. You see, people do not understand that the power that is vested in you is because of the pastor. People do not understand that the people that are following you now, just like Moses and Bezaleel, is because of Moses that God has touched the heart of Aholiab Now to be in your in Bezaleel's ministry is because of Moses that God wants to build His church. God wants to build His church. Hallelujah! Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? That God wants to do what? Build His church. Amen. God wants to build his church. So if you belong to an organization, you are never an independent person. You can never be independent of the organization. Therefore, you cannot just do what you think is right. Amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, We, you and I, everyone, we are one body and we ought to depend on one another. We ought to depend on one another. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? It says, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one member of the other. Every one member of the other. You are a member just as I am a member of you. You are a member and I depend on you. You You see, so when the body is together, the body moves. Do you understand? When the body is together, the body is able to move. So if one day Your mouth says, I want to eat. Your mouth says, I, am, I want to eat. I feel like eating ice cream. And then the leg says, I am not going. I am not going because I cannot enjoy this ice cream. The body suffers. You see, it is the mouth that is going to taste it. But the stomach is the one that is going to receive glucose. You see, and the leg doesn't know that it is that glucose that is even going to give him the power to become legs that moves. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So you go to sit in a restaurant and you are sitting there and you are ordering food and somebody passes by with a tray, the servant, I mean the servants are passing by and your eyes sees, and your eyes enjoys what he sees. And he said, I see very nice thing, but I'm not going to let this mouth eat it. Because the food doesn't come to me. Do you understand? What I'm sharing with you. They they all suffer. When you you act independent of the others. We all suffer. When the bladder is full. That you are sitting in a restaurant. And you are enjoying. And you are eating. And you are having a conversation. And you are enjoying. When the bladder is full. And he says I am full. And I need to go. You got to go. You got to go. Because you can't sit to enjoy the food. You got to go. So you see, God has made us such that we depend on one another. We depend on one another. And we cannot act independently. We cannot act independently. The moment we begin to act independently, we begin to fall apart. We begin to be miserable. God's church was never designed that we will be independent. Amen. Amen. You want to hear more about Joab? One more about Joab. Hallelujah. Another place about Joab. First Kings chapter 5. Chapter 1 and verse 5. First Kings chapter 1 and verse 5. You see, there's another, this place also where one of David's sons, David had a lot of troubles. One of David's sons, Adonijah, also lifted himself up. And Adonijah wanted to be a king. Adonijah wanted to be a king whilst his father is alive. Amen. Amen. And he had this spirit in him all along. He had a spirit that he wanted to be a king. He wanted his father to choose him to be a king. So when his father died, now he is organizing people to make him a king. Instead of Solomon. And you see, when there is an independent spirit in the church, you become the target. Whenever someone rises up to do evil, they think of you. When someone ever decides to do evil to the church, the person with an independent spirit becomes the target. You become the source. You become the one that they go to. You are the one that everyone calls your house. If they have any complaints, they are not happy about something that is going on in the church, you are the one that they call. Whenever you become the one that all the complaints are coming to, look at yourself and see that perhaps the spirit of independence has crept upon you. So when Adonijah wanted to have someone powerful in the the kingdom to support him, he turned to Joab. In verse 1, um, 1 Kings, verse one, chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never interfered with him by asking, Why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with who? Joab. Joab. He conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they gave him their support. Joab gave him their support. Amen. So, the spirit of independence is the beginning. It's the beginning when the enemy creeps into the church, and he targets people who have been Around for a while. People who have been around for a while. The spirit of independence creeps into our marriages. Whenever now you are a wife and then you feel or you are a husband and then you feel that I will build my own home in my own hometown without telling my wife as God has put you together and said the two shall be one. But when you decide now I will build a house in my own hometown, I will buy a land and my wife does not know about it, the spirit of independence has crept on you. Amen. You Your wife, your husband says, I want to eat jollof. I want to eat jollof rice. And then you say, I'll give you awache. I will give you kinky. Or I will, give you, I will give you salad. And then you say, I've made this already. Eat it. It's an independent spirit. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? May you never suffer from an independent spirit. Hallelujah. I just want to give you one more point and then we will, we will close. The next one is the spirit of offense. The spirit of offense. Hallelujah. Now, offense is one of the most common things that the enemy has used over the years to destroy many churches. He has used this trick to destroy many churches. Amen. I can say confidently, perhaps, that offense is the number one reason why... Most people leave churches. It's the number one reason why most people will leave churches. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So, if you have left the church and the reason was because of offense, I want to inform you that you have not gone very far. You have come to another place filled with offenses. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Because you see, the church is a gathering of openly. Are you listening? I'm giving you my definition of the church. It is a gathering of openly acknowledged sinners. Sinners who have openly acknowledged that they are sinners. And have asked for forgiveness from God. They have repented and they have asked for forgiveness from God. And then they have asked that God works on them to make them perfect. Do you understand? That is the church. That is a church. So the church is full of people who are sinners, who have acknowledged that I am a sinner. And today, I repent of my sins. And I welcome Jesus Christ into my life. And I want him to forgive me all of my sins. Come and be my Lord. Come and be my Savior. And work on me. That is a Christian. Amen. That is a Christian. And that is the kind of gathering that is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, if you have ever left a church, you have come to another world of offenders. Amen. And you see, whenever human beings gather, whenever we gather, human beings gather, there is never perfection. Whenever human beings gather in a place, there is never perfection. It is always filled with offenses. Amen. Now, the people who get offended the most, are you listening? Do you want to know? The people who get offended the most are people who have been members for a while. People who have been around for a while. People who have been here for a long time. Those are the people who get offended the most. People who are actively doing the work of God. These are the people, you see, you are the one who is building the walls. And you are the one who becomes the target of the enemy. And so these are the people who become offended the most. People who are working for the Lord. Amen. So you realize if someone just joined the church, it is very unlikely, highly unlikely, that the person will leave because of offense. Do you understand? It is very unlikely that the person will leave because of offense. I mean, it's unlikely, even if you have bought yellow blouse instead of blue before, it's unlikely for you to think that it is me the pastor is talking about. It's unlikely. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So the person who just joined the church is not the person who is going to be offended to leave the church. That person will probably leave for another reason, but may it not be you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So that is why someone will just get excited about the church and decides to join the church. At the same time, someone who has been around for a while is planning, getting ready to leave the church. The same church. The same preaching. The same praise and worship. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? I'm trying to lay some foundation so you understand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when we get closer, when we get closer together, that is when we have the ability to step on toes. When we are further apart... It is unlikely for me to step on your toes. But when we come closer, when we become closer, when we get to know ourselves well, when we are happy and we can sit and talk and we can share and we can visit one another that you are sick and I easily can come to your home and I can easily not come and I can... When we get that close, that is when we begin to step on toes. That is when we get offended. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? That is why, that is why, you see, you, you are unlikely or you are more likely to be offended by your husband than your co-workers. And so, you, that is why you say, you know, it is you that you don't know me. You don't see me as a good person. You don't see me as a good person. I work with many people. I work with many people. But they see me as a very good person. They see me as a very good person you always look at me and you are saying you don't know me you don't you see but go to my workplace and ask them because you are not that close with your co-workers they don't step on your toes but when you come close when you come closer when you become closer that we share one toilet that we share one bed that i snore and you hear me when we get that close that is when we begin to step on toes that is when you get offended (laughs) hallelujah amen that is why you will see, you will see a, a, a sister-in-law, a sister-in-law telling her, her, the, the brother's wife. You say, you know, since my brother married you, you know, he has become really different. My brother is a very nice person, but I think it is you. Yeah. You see, I think it is you. Of course, it has to be her. It has to be the wife. Because you don't share the same bedroom with your brother. You don't share the same toilet with your brother. You don't see your brother when he's taking his socks off and putting them all over the place. And so whenever you see your brother, he has come to the family gathering in his suit. Very nice as a brother. Senior brother. posing before you as a proper senior brother that you always have respect for. And so you tend to see the wife as an evil person. But when we get closer, when we become relevant to each other, that is when offenses start to arise. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? That is where offenses start arise, and we begin to offend one another. When we are that close, we begin to offend one another. Amen. Now you realize also that in the church, that is the same way. Some of the things that may attract you to join the church, maybe for instance, the preaching, the choir. The prison worship, the way we do our things, the orderliness, our joy—is that mean share in the church? Ask yeah. your neighbor what is mean share? Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So that may attract you to the church. The preaching may attract you to the church, but you see, there is more to the preaching. There's more to the church than the preaching. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? There is more to the church than the preaching. When you go to see a doctor, you go to the hospital to see a doctor, there is more to the hospital than just the doctor. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? When you get to the hospital, there are so many people, so many people that you will meet before you get to the doctor. So many people. And along the way, along the way, You see, your target is to meet the doctor. Your aim for coming there is to meet the doctor. As you were coming, you didn't have in mind that there is a cleaner at the lobby who puts a yellow sign for wet floor. That when you walk on a yellow sign, when you walk on a wet floor where she or he has mapped and you are working with your dirty shoes, he can give you a certain eye. But you didn't think of that cleaner. Your goal was to meet the doctor. So along the way, you have all these people. You have the cleaner, you have the the, the, the security guard, you have the, the and then finally you come and then you have the registration person. The registration person that has stuck her lips like this with her nails, and as you are standing there waiting for your file to be picked up, she's filing her nail. And you are also in pain. Do you understand? And then she says, I'll be with you in a minute. Do you see, you didn't count that. Your goal was to meet the doctor, and then there is also a nurse who is going to even see you before you see the doctor. All of these people they are put in place before you finally see the doctor, and along the way, any one of these people can offend you. Any one of these people can offend you, but that will never turn you back and say, because of the cleaner that is on the floor, the way the cleaner looked at me, I'm not going to see the doctor anymore. I will take my pain and go back home. Is that what you are going to do? No. The reason why you get to the doctor to let the doctor's treatment affect you The reason why you get to the doctor to let the doctor's prescription be given to you is because you overlook all these people. You overlook the triage nurse. You overlook the cleaner. You overlook all these people who could offend you so you get to see the doctor. So you get to see the doctor because that is the reason why you came. Amen. Amen. That is the reason why you came. Hallelujah. So, me too... When you are coming to my office, I also have my cleaners. I have my 3 people. I have my security. The cleaners, you meet them in the hallway as they are cleaning the bathroom already. Do you understand? And sometimes they are put things in the hallway that will not be attractive to you. And then you bypass them. And if you are not careful and you hit one of them, they can also give you a certain look. And you may not like it. Do you understand? And then as you are coming, you will meet my security guard also at the place. And then he says i want you to sit here and he said i want to sit there he says i want you to sit here if you're not sitting here then i will not let you sit down you see and that can also offend you but as you are coming you didn't have that person in mind you didn't have that person in mind somebody understand what i'm sharing with you and then when you come you have my three arch people the three arch people are my praise and worship and my choir they are going to minister to you to prepare you take your vital signs Cool you down, prepare you so you can receive the blessing. They are going to triage you properly. And sometimes their behavior can offend you. But your goal, your goal, your goal for coming, your goal for coming is to be able to finally sit down so that the word of God will reach you. (laughs) That the word of God will reach you. And in order for that to happen, you're going to have to overlook all these offenses that are on the way along the toilet, along the security guard by the 3 people. You're going to have to overlook all of them so that you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you today? Otherwise, you'll never get to reach this place. And so there is more. There is more. There is more to it. Then just finally, we are looking this beautiful and receiving from the Lord. Hallelujah. Our time is up. And um, I want us to pause here. And I we'll continue next time that we meet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. There is more that I want to share with you, but we'll pause here pray for yourself pray for yourself that where the Lord has planted you may you never be a target no matter how established you become When you, you are saying pastor I want to give my life to Jesus I want to receive Jesus Christ as my savior if that is your prayer wherever you are just lift up your hand and I'll pray with you is there anyone here like that you want to receive Jesus as your savior You want to give your life to Christ. You want to welcome Jesus Christ into your life. Perhaps you were on fire for God. You were moving with Christ. You were once born again. But today when you look into your life, you feel you are very far from God. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. I want to be born again. If that is your prayer, lift up your hand wherever you are and I'll pray with you. Is there anyone here like that? God is speaking to you right now. My sister, my brother. Is there anyone here you want to give your life to Jesus? Is there anyone here like that? Anyone? Anyone here like that? Father, we are grateful and thankful. You can hear the voice. It's saying today is your day. Maybe it's you. Why don't you lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus this afternoon. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus. We, bless we, want you. Open up the sky. we hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williams Bridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.